Thank you for checking out the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe that no matter where you have come from or what you have come out of, today can be a life-changing day. Church should not be an obligation to endure each week, but rather a place to look forward to, a place where we can come together in community to grow in our lives. So join us today as we expect something good from our amazing God. You can get your Bibles out this morning. We're continuing, continuing the series this morning, Hands and Feet. This morning will be the last message in this series, Hands and Feet, talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Has anybody received anything out of this message, this, this series? Anybody got anything? All right, the front row has. Don't know about the rest of you, yeah, but hey. Um, you can open up your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. We're going to Old Testament first thing this morning. Hello, right? Leviticus chapter 19. Verses 9 and 10, this is what it says. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, I thank you that through this series, you have grown us in our capacity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Father, that we would look beyond ourselves to the needs of others. And God, see the ways that we can make a difference in this world. Father, I thank you that we are preaching the gospel of Jesus everywhere we go. God, not just in word only, but by our actions. And Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it is your word that changes us. Use me this morning to minister to your people who are absolutely amazing, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you spent much time in a home with small children, can you guys put that picture up? If you've spent much time in a home with small children, you've probably encountered one of these. Anybody remember those? Yeah, the good old shape, the shape, well, I don't know what they call it, the, sh- the shape thing, okay? The the shape block, the shape box, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, it has the holes in the box that you put the shapes in. Right? Remember those? Well, you know what? If you're, um, uh, you know, if you're on the earth with the dinosaurs like me um, and you go back in time, when they first made these, they actually made a problem. There's a flaw with these. And the flaw with these was that the round peg would go through the square hole. Because the square hole was big enough for the round peg. Now, the new ones, they fixed it. They fixed it. So now that the the round peg is actually bigger than the square hole now. But it used to be, you know, back in the old days, that the round peg would go through the square hole. And what's great about that, in my opinion, is it gives us a really great picture of this scripture. Because what, what God is saying here in Leviticus is, don't fill up all the room in your field for yourself, but leave the margins, right? That's why the round peg would go through the square hole is there was enough margin that you could slide that peg through that square hole. And when you do that, I really should have brought the whiteboard, babe. I kind of blew it. In fact, you know what? Can I have an usher just go grab the whiteboard? What the heck? I'll, 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 I'll draw the picture. The kids, the kids will get a kick out of it. Maybe they don't twill too. 
But, but God is saying here in Leviticus that when you glean in your field, in other words, when you take in your harvest, he was saying, you know what? Don't harvest all the way out to the corners of your field. Don't, don't bring it all in. In fact, he said, he said, don't harvest in all the grapes, but leave a little. Well, what is he communicating? He's communicating that we should leave some margin financially for the benefit of others. And you know what? We live in a world, <laughs> we live in America, let's be honest, because I don't think the rest of the world's like us. We live in America where, you know what? We live to the very edge, don't we? In America, we live to the very edge. In fact, sometimes we leave, we live even beyond the edge a little bit. Can I say credit cards? Can I say big car payments? Right? We live beyond the edge. God said, God said, when you glean your field, don't harvest the corners. Leave some space out here that has some provision for others. But you know what? In America, we don't typically live this way, do we? We, we fill it all up. We're like, okay, well, if I have this much income, and I love Dave Ramsey, so I'm not dissing on Dave Ramsey, but even Dave Ramsey says, budget it all. Give every dollar a name, he says. But you know what? There are some dollars that we shouldn't give a name. There's some places that we should leave some margin so that we can be a blessing to others. And that's what Leviticus is telling us. And I know some of you are, you know, your hard school Bible readers and scholars. You like to study the word and you go, but pastor, you're in the Old Testament. That's an Old, that's Old Testament law. You, you can't get up there, pastor, as a, as a New Testament believer, as a follower of Jesus and teach Old Testament law. Okay, you're right. I can't. And I won't. Let's go into the Gospels. And I'm going to show you in the Gospels where this exact concept exists. But you know what's really great about the Gospels is Jesus would take the Old Testament law that was given, and he'd take it up a notch. Right? You remember when he was questioned about, hey, is it okay if I give a certificate of divorce, right? And, and talking about the whole adultery thing. And he says, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. If a man thinks in his heart, if he lusts in his heart after a woman, he's committed adultery. Whoa, wait a minute, Jesus, you just ramped it up, right? He took the Old Testament law and ramped it up and said, you better check your heart. Well, he does the same thing in Luke. In fact, he does it in a piece of scripture that is probably one of the most well-known and most prolific parables that is told around the world. You hear people talk about this? In church and even out of church. Luke 10, 25 through 37. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. It starts in verse 25 and it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, (laughs) oh, it's so funny, he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, "And, and who's my neighbor? Right, isn't that how we live so many times? 
We want to justify ourselves. We're looking for the loophole, right? April 15th is coming up. We all know that that's tax day. We're all looking for loopholes, right? Let's be honest. Is there any place I can, you know, is there any gray room, right? Hey, CPA, is there a place we could, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're all looking at me like you're innocent. Yeah, you all know that you would get out of paying taxes in every way if you humanly could. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Thank you. I love that. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jer- Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a, a certain priest came down the road And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He just kind of turned the other way and kept on going. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now I want to tell you, first of all, that uh, Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience, and the the Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, you think about the person or the people in your life that you detest and loathe the absolute most in your life, and the feeling of Jews towards Samaritans was worse than that. It would literally be like how we would look upon the Nazis of, of, of Germany in World War II. It's just that it'd be like a Jew and a Nazi. That's the picture, just the loathing, right? Did not like each other at all. And so Jesus is really kind of putting it in their face and using a Samaritan in the first place, okay? They did not like each other a bit, not a bit, Okay? In fact, they, 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 they wished evil on each other. That's how bad it was. So Jesus is really kind of g- getting in their business a little bit. But what's interesting is, you know, so many times we focus on the Good Samaritan in, in so many ways. But, you know, the Good Samaritan wouldn't be the Good Samaritan without three things. And actually without living in margin in three ways. See, the Good Samaritan lived in margin. If we go back to the picture of Leviticus, the margin, the Good Samaritan had margin in his life. The Good Samaritan had margin in his finances, right? Because he took, he took the, the person to an inn and paid to have him cared for. But, you know, another place he had margin is he had margin in his time. He gave two days to this thing, taking care of this guy. But you know where else he had margin? He had margin in his soul. He had margin in his soul. And when I say that, I mean he had margin in his mind. He had room in his mind to say, you know what, I can do something here, and I can take care of this person. And, and the reality is that I believe that, yeah, Leviticus says leave margin in your finances, but I believe that God wants us to have margin in all three of these areas. He wants us to live with margin in our finances. He wants us to live with margin 
in our soul, and he wants us to live with margin in our time. The first one is he had margin in his, in his finances. And I have to ask you, church, do you have room financially to meet the need of someone else? Have you left some room? I love what Mar- Margaret Thatcher said. She said, no one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money as well. If he didn't have the financial provision to take, the, take care of the need, we probably wouldn't know the story of the good Samaritan. And you know, there's a lot of stories that get told where people's needs are met, and they're not met, be, and, and the, we have the story of the, the need being met because there were finances to take care of the need. And I think so many times we, be, we behave like the priest and the Levite because we haven't left any margin in our life financially. Have you ever been there? You just want to be a blessing to someone, but you look and you go, oh, I can't. I hate that feeling. Don't you hate that feeling when you want to be a blessing to someone and you can't? You know, it's, you know it, was a crazy, it was a crazy week last week. Zach was home from school, and um, uh, he gets home, and his car starts having issues. And, uh, yeah, Larry's shaking his head, car issues, you know. Zach drives a 2000 Toyota Camry. It was our car. We had it for years before. He he bought it from us for $1,000, and he bought it for $1,000 because he caused the value of it to go down. Um, (laughs) It's got a few scrapes and bumps, you know. Um, High school can be tough on a car. And, um, but he bought it from us for $1,000 to take to school. And uh, he, he came home, and, and we had a pretty busy week. And, and he noticed that his thermostat was, was creeping up. It was running a little hotter. And so, okay, well, let's look into it. And, you know, I'm thinking 200, 209,000 miles on a 2,000 Camry. It probably needs a thermostat, you know. And so we, we, we buy a thermostat, you know, a whopping $7. And uh, we take the time, we take it out, we put it in, and the old thermostat definitely was shot. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was stuck in position. And so we took that out, put the new one in, and we took it out on a road test. And it's like, no, it's still creeping up. What is going on? And so he, we went to the parts store and talked to them, and they said, you know, it's probably this, this, and this. And then I had a conversation with a friend and said, hey, you know, we've got this issue and this issue. What do you think? And eh, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's a water pump because that's what the parts store sold us was a water pump. And and so in the process of driving, I thought, let's pop the hood again and let's look at it. And I stuck my hand under the hood to pop it and I could feel the humidity under the hood. I'm like, OK, we got water someplace. Right. So I pop, pop up the hood and I look at the radiator and the radiator is just saturated. It's, and I look and there's water pouring down. I'm like, and this is Thursday night. And I'm like, and he's supposed to leave on Friday. And so uh, I look and say, well, let's go, let's go get a radiator. We can do this. We can knock this out. So the next morning on Friday morning, we get up, and we, and we're talking, uh, all you mechanic guys in here, you'd be so proud of us. Um, we were like we were a pit crew. We changed that radiator out in one hour flat. Um, we killed it, right? And we get it. We get it in. Yeah, I know. It's a good job, right? <laughs> I still got it. Anyway, so we get it in there. And, and we get it hooked back up, and we take it for, a, you know, we get all the coolant back in it, and we take it for a drive, and we come back and pop the hood, and there's water. Where is this coming from? And uh, we had removed the scrape plate because we had to remove the scrape plate underneath 
um, the front bumper to get under to get the bottom side of the radiator when we swapped it out. So I crawled back under the car, and I got a flashlight, and I'm just looking, and sure enough, drip, drip, drip from the bottom of the water pump. And I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy. He has got to be out of here this afternoon. I don't have time to do this. So what we did is we took it. I actually started calling auto, auto repair shops and the auto surgeon. There's your plug, guys. Thank you so much for helping us out. They got us in and fixed it that day. I'm pretty sure they moved work around. They got it fixed that day so Zach could pick up his car and he could get back to school to meet the requirements that he needed to do. And he did that. But you know what? <laughs> It wasn't as cheap as me replacing the radiator ourselves. It wasn't as cheap as uh, us replacing the thermostat. And Zach, being a college student, was a little bit freaked out. He's like, Dad, I came home to make money, and now I'm not going to have any money. Well, guess what? Mom and Dad had some margin. So we were able to help him out. Right? Because we had some margin. But you know what? If we didn't live our life with some margin, we couldn't have helped our own son out. And, you know, I think a lot of people are living life. They've got no margin. They've got no margin financially. And so they, they can't even help their own family out, let alone help out a perfect stranger. See, I, I think all of us, we want to have margin. When I realized that, that that was the problem and Zach could use some help, I wanted to help him. Don't you want to help your kids? Yeah, that was us. We wanted to help our kids. In fact, I bought a rearview mirror for my daughter. I got to install it, right? She's now gone through two side view mirrors in the last year. Um, second one wasn't her fault, just <laughs> clarifying. But third John 2 says, this is his beloved. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. It's God's desire that we prosper. Why does he want us to prosper? So we can leave something for someone else. So we can have some margin for somebody else. Man, when people say that God doesn't want them to prosper, I'm, I just like, how could you think that? How could you think that? When God desires us to make it, yeah, you can get it out of here. It's fine. You can put it over here if you want. Thanks. You guys are so good looking. So look at Brad, man, all fancy. Slacks and a dress shirt on today. Woohoo! <laughs> you and Heather got a date later? What's going on? Anyway. <laughs> well, hello! Okay. Let's keep it G rated. The kids are in here. Um, yeah. I love, I love this church family. You guys are so awesome. But it's God's will that we prosper. Why? So we have margin to be a blessing to other people. It's God's desire. But, you know, the second place that he wants us to have margin, and I believe that he wants us to have margin in our calendar. He wants to have margin in our time for others. You know, the Good Samaritan had a several days that he could put into taking care of this person. But, you know, how many of us live our life with no margin in our time? It's so filled up that if we had a friend that needed help with something, we couldn't help them. If we had a stranger that needed help with something, we couldn't help them because we don't have time. What does your calendar look like? Are you leaving margin in your life for others? One of the things that, it's funny, I've just been in this, I've been in a crazy busy season, 
And I don't mean that as in bad. I have been doing so much more. In fact, people look at us and go, man, you guys are empty nesters. All three of your kids are out of the house. You must have all this time. And I'm like, my life is busier now than it's ever been, but it's busy in a good way. Because I've got all this extra margin, and I'm filling the margin up. I'm filling it up. I like it. I like it a lot. But I hear that out of people's mouth. I'm too busy. I'm I'm just so busy. I don't have have any time. And I'd look at you and say, really? Really? You You don't have any time? You know, you got 24 hours a day. And for most of us, only eight hours of that is spent at work. See, I think so many of us, we don't have time because we're filling our time with things that really aren't important. You know, I, I, I like to Google stuff. And so I did. I did some Googling for this message. And I Googled time America's, Americans spend watching TV. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Hello. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. It just got real in here, right? But here's the deal. Americans spend 35.5 hours a week watching TV. And that is a quote from Nielsen. You know Nielsen, the TV people who track all of our habits on TV? That's the Nielsen rating company. 5.04 hours a day is the average American's consumption of television. And you want to look at me and tell me you got no margin in your time. It's just, you know... Maybe you need to do something with your time to watch Grace. Oh, it just got quiet in here. <laughs> it's got some dagger eyes, right? Just saying. See, I, I don't think it's that we don't have time. It's how we choose to allocate our time. I think we have lots of margin in our time. We just don't allocate our time well. And the Good Samaritan lived his life in a way that he could allocate his time to meet the needs of someone else. You know, it's funny. A a lot of people, I think a lot of people confuse the Sabbath. They confuse the Sabbath, and we, we make the Sabbath all about, oh, we have to honor God on the Sabbath. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said this. He said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. See, we think that we were made to honor God on the Sabbath. And you know what? We should actually honor God every day of our life. God's intent for the Sabbath was that you'd have some downtime. That you would have some downtime. Because he knows that we will fill it all up. And so he said, you need to take a day off. You need to chill out once in a while. You know what? It's a good lesson for us. It's a good lesson for us. We we need downtime. You need time that's not filled up. Man, if you can't have a conversation with your neighbor as you pick your trash cans up from the curb and take them behind your fence on your trash day, then maybe your calendar is too full. Maybe you're not allocating your time well. Maybe maybe when you uh, go to get your mail out of the mailbox, you should allocate a little more time than five seconds to run out there, grab the mail, and run back in your house. Because I'm learning that, you know what? I can be an encouragement to my neighbors. I, I can add strength to my neighbors. I, 
I can be a blessing to my neighbors, but it requires me to allocate some time to it and be willing to sit and have a conversation. Talk with them as we bring our trash cans in or as, you know, a couple of winters ago when we were shoveling our, our sidewalks, right? We need to do better about allocating our time so that we have some margin. And the third area, and I'm just going to tell you right now, this is the place that the Lord's really been challenging me in in this season since our kids moved away from home, and that is, do I have margin in my soul? Do I have room in my mind? Do I have room for others? See, the good Samaritan had margin in his soul. He had mind share to give to the situation. You know, a lot of times, our minds are so jumbled up with so much stuff that you don't have the mind share to sit and have a conversation with someone over a cup of coffee. You're sitting there. You ever done this? You go out and you have coffee with someone. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going out with a guy and you go to a, a place that's got monitors for sports, it's, it's a bad idea, um, especially during March Madness, um, because we can't stay focused because we don't have the margin, right? It's, like, it's March Madness. That's my team. Come on. you got to win. This or my bracket is blown, right? My bracket's in bad shape. Thank you. <clears throat> it's in bad shape. That's all right. Last year, I made it through the first round without a loss. <laughs> this year was not the case. <laughs> first round killed my bracket. Yeah, those of you who don't know March Madness, don't know what I'm talking about. Those of you who do feel my pain, that's why you're quiet, because we're all sobbing. But are we leaving margin mentally to actually even think or be concerned about others? See, I'm realizing that for me, I have the capacity to do way more than I think I can. I'll never forget, um, in uh, 1997, when Janet and I were at Bible school, between first and second year of Bible school, I had an opportunity to go to, to Peru on a short-term missions trip. And I was one of the crazy people that put on my ministry application to go on this mission trip that I would go anywhere and I would do anything. So when I tell you, if you ever go to Bible school and they offer missions trips, don't do that. <laughs> um, put limits on yourself because um, they will truly <laughs> let you do anything and take you anywhere. And so there was actually three of us, uh, Ken Gamwell and this guy William, all three of us said, we'll do anything. And so we ended up going deep into the jungles of Peru, into this little town where there was a guy by the name of Pastor Benito. And Pastor Benito had this crazy house, his wife. Oh, that woman could cook. I'm telling you. Oh, every morning and every night, home-cooked Peruvian food, it was awesome. But I will tell you that the chicken soup had beaks in it. It did. And it's a couple of days it had feet too. But it still tasted good. And on the last day they served a skinny pig. Tastes like chicken. Anyway. Pastor Benito. Pastor Benito pastored three different churches. And ran six businesses. And he ran all those businesses so he could support his family and be a blessing to his church. Is. And he slept four hours a night. 
And at the time, I'm thinking, that dude's just crazy. Right? I mean, who does that? Runs six businesses, pastors three churches, and sleeps four hours a night. But now I'm sitting here and I'm looking back and going, that was a guy that lived with some serious margin. And the first place that he lived with margin had to be his mind because he had to have the attitude, I can do all this. And I think so many times that's the place we don't live with margin the most, in our capacity, in our thinking of what we can do and what we can achieve. And I think that happens because we allow our minds to be so filled and so consumed with things that really are not of value. Dare I say the evening news? Right? We dwell. Oh, oh, this president, that president, this senator, that senator. Give me a break. It doesn't matter. I'm in a different kingdom. It's his kingdom, not the world's kingdom. But we let our minds be consumed with so many things. And I think if we would declutter our mind, we could find a lot of margin in our mind, and we'd realize that we are capable of so much more than what we're doing. See, I think we give our mind share to things like fear. We give our mind share to anger, or dare I say offense. And we chew on those things. We get wrapped up in jealousy or worry. We get our minds all wrapped up in all the wrong things. And Colossians 3.2, look at Colossians 3.2. I love this verse. It says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You know, in this particular verse, it's telling us to set our minds on the things of God, to set it higher. But you know what's great about this verse is it tells us you can set your own mind. You don't have to choose to think in a certain way. One of the greatest revelations that I had last year was that, you know what? We don't all think alike. We don't all think alike. We think that we think all alike, but we don't all think alike. Because I'm realizing that I have some thoughts that you all don't have. And you have some thoughts that I definitely don't have. Right? We all have different thoughts. We can all encounter a situation, and how we react to it is all based on what we think about the situation we just encountered. See, <laughs> we can do this. We can think, we can have, uh, let's say, your paycheck comes in a little bit short. See, and your mind can instantly go, oh, we're not going to make it. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh. Or your mind can go, I love it that my God's bigger than my paycheck. It's all going to be okay. He takes care of me. He's so faithful. You know, the word says he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. You know, I've never been without. My needs have always been met. He's always come through for me. See, we can choose where we set our mind. And too many times we let our mind be set on the wrong things. And when we do that, we push all the margin out. And then somebody has a need, and because we think, oh, I'm so busy, or we think, oh, I don't have any finances, or we think, oh, I got all these problems of my own I got to take care of, that we don't have margin to do anything. Oh, I couldn't do one more thing. Really? I'm learning that I can do a lot more things. I'm learning that I give margin to the wrong things. I spend too much time in places that are not fruitful. And I can choose to set my mind 
on things that are fruitful. You know, the word says, whatever things are beautiful, right? Whatever things are good report, whatever things are joyful, set your mind on those things. You know what? We can choose to set our mind on what we want to set our mind on. And I don't know about you. I'm choosing to set my mind on the fact I got some margin. I got some margin. You know, yesterday, there's a lot of people in this church that were at Nick and Deborah Castro's house helping them move. Some of you helped move longer than me, right? Because I was out at noon. Why? Because I had someplace else I needed to go. But just because I had a commitment at noon didn't mean I can do something from 7 to noon. But so many times we wake up and go, oh, it's Saturday. I got to sleep in. I'll leave margin for me. Well, how about you leave margin for somebody else? See how we can shift our thinking? See, the Good Samaritan, he had margin in his finances. He had margin in his time. And he had margin in his thinking. So I want to leave you with this verse. Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You want to make some margin in your soul? Meditate on this scripture. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Wow, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, we serve a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And you know what? And it ends there according to the power that works in us. Well, what's the power that works in us? Him in us. It's Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, in us. The problem is we don't put any demand on what he's put on the inside of us. And if we would, all of a sudden, we'd see margin open up. All of a sudden, we'd see, you know what? I do have some finances. Oh, I do have some time. Oh, I do have some room in my soul to love on and minister to somebody else. I've got room. So church, I want to challenge us in this. Let's be a church that, can we put that verse back up? That believes this. That because we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, that we can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think. You got room. There is more in you. You have more to give. You have more to minister with. You have a, a reservoir on the inside of you. You are greater than you think. And we need to believe that and we need to walk it out because it's the only way we will ever be the hands and feet of Jesus is if we just make some room for other people. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. Thank you for checking out today's podcast. If you would like any further information about Rivers Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.